scholar from a place called Geneva, John Calvin. John Calvin is significant tonight. Some five, six hundred years after his life, he still has significance because many of the doctrines that uh, are held true and discussed and debated to this day received significant contribution from the mind of John Calvin. John Calvin. To this very day, have a sect called Calvinism, the fruit of John Calvin's work. Doctrines like the doctrine of heaven. Those who believe in the doctrine of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but for the sake of our conversation tonight, the doctrine called predestination. Can somebody say predestination? <laughs> All received significant contributions from that fellow, John Calvin. It's important tonight because there are some who hold some very extreme views of what Calvin taught. Specifically about predestination. Extreme. Uh, to the extent that there are many right now who believe that every detail of our lives, that it all has already been prearranged, predetermined, predestined by God. Every single minute detail. There are some who believe that what you're wearing tonight, that God made that decision. In eternity past, that you had no choice in the matter. Amen. Even what you're wearing is preordained. What you're driving, how you decided to style your hair, where you work, where you went to school, who you date, what you're eating. There are some people who hold a very extreme view to suggest that everything we do, God has already predetermined. So, as a consequence, we'll be robots. In their estimation, carrying out what God predetermined years ago. It's, it's difficult because they even take it a step further by suggesting that God has already unconditionally decided who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, who's going to be received, who's going to be rejected, and that that choice has nothing to do with us. That God arbitrarily, unconditionally elected some to be received and others to be rejected. Family tonight, I would say that while I do believe in predestination, I don't believe in that extreme view. I don't believe that God has arbitrarily and unconditionally elected that some folk be received and others be rejected. That goes against the teaching of Scripture. Jesus himself said in Matthew 11, 28, come unto me. All ye labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Paul in Romans 10, 9 says, 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus in Revelation 3, 20 said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man within my voice and open the door, I will come into heaven. And will sup with him and he with me. I don't believe that God has unconditionally and arbitrarily just selected some to go to heaven and go to hell. That would make God uh, an unfair and a partial God. I believe in predestination, but not according to that extreme. I believe in predestination as taught by Paul in Romans 8 29. Paul says, For those whom he did foreknow, that he also did predestinate. Those he predestined, he also called and justified and glorified. I believe that we are elect, 1 Peter 1 2 says, according to the foreknowledge of God. Simply meaning that before the beginning began, that God looked at the end. And before the beginning began, God looked at the end. God knew before the beginning began, everybody who would accept him by the end. And based on his foreknowledge, before beginning again, of those who accept him at the end, he selected us based upon his knowledge of our choice. In other words, God already knows right now who's going to select him, who's going to believe in him. And based on that knowledge of our choice, he has elected us. It's very important that you get this, that God knows all things. 
and he elects us based on his knowledge of our choice, you are not a robot. Uh, everything that goes on in your life is not because God made that decision. I'm not going to let you blame that on God. But God did tell you to give him your phone number. I always start looking at some, some stuff. I wish I could blame God on. But some stuff I got into it because it was my choice. I'm not talking about it. Uh, some stuff I got my, my, I got my son into. Now, this is very, very important. It's important tonight because some people believe to the extent that they say things about life like it is what it is. They run into something unfavorable. We say things like, what's going to be? Going to be. We don't know that we could be, in a real sense, agreeing with those extremists of classical capitalism who believe in our lives that no matter what we face, it is what it is. Or oh, I run into a bad circumstance or a bad situation. We declare things like, what's going to be? going to be as if every detail of our lives has been already determined as if you and I don't have a say in the matter. But I came tonight to encourage somebody. I do not believe what's going to be going to be. I do not believe that it is what it is. No, I believe tonight that you and I as the children of God have such a connection with God that tonight, while we're here in Woodlawn, that while we're here in this place, that while we're here in this community, that you and I have the power and the trajectory to make some decisions in the earth realm that causes the heavens to shift on our behalf. I believe not that it is what it is and what's going to be going to be, but I believe that you and I have a power and a connection with God that even God said, if my people, y'all got to break someone who called on my name, so I'm going to tell the pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then when I give a covenant and forgive that sin and you, I still believe if you let it use this passage this way, that whatever we lose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound. I want to talk to somebody who believes, no, not that it is what it is. Not that what's going to be going to be. But because I'm a child of God on a Monday night in April here in Chicago, Illinois, that the heavens can come into agreement and alignment with what I believe in decree and declare in the earth realm. Right no way in the Bible. Is this point of preachment more clearly demonstrated than is demonstrated in this text tonight? Yeah, in the time of this text, God has called Pastor Moses up on my side. Exodus 31, 16 and 17. And while Moses and God are talking on the mountain, Moses is spending time with God, and God gives Moses two tables of law. While Moses and God are on the mountain communing, Exodus 32, 1 says that the people went to Aaron. Who is Aaron? Aaron was the assistant pastor. Aaron was Moses' older brother. Aaron was the chairman of the trustee department. Aaron was the head of the choir. Aaron was the chief elder. So the people went to Aaron and Moses asked and said, Aaron, get up! Make us some gods which are going for us into the land. For this man, Moses, look how they reduced him. We don't know what has become of him because Moses was delayed. But Moses was spending time with God. The people got mad because people got to. So they went to the associate pastor and said, get up and make us some gods which are going before us into the land. For this man, Moses, we don't know what has become of him. You know how it is. You give some of us, you give some of us a rope, we won't be accountable. Uh, you know how it is. Somebody get the microphone for the first time they lose their mind. So he said, tell you what, bring off the earrings. And come and bring me your golden earrings. I'm going to fashion a golden calf. And this golden calf shall be our God, which shall go before us into the land. And so they leave Moses. Bring off their earrings. And now they are in idolatrous worship, worshiping a golden calf. They forgot about the God who had brought them. In Exodus 32 9, 
God says, Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. He says, I'm sick and tired. I'm tired and sick. I wake up, wake up every morning. Watch on them bodies struggling and stuff. And the first thing they do is go to Instagram and TikTok, but they get on their knees and thank the side rock. I'm sick and I'm tired. I'm this up. I'm putting eggs and oatmeal and grits and bacon on the table every morning. And they're too greedy to call and say thank you for the food I'm about to receive. I'm sick and tired. Now, therefore, let me know that my anger, my wrath, my indignation may wax high against them. I'm going to consume them. I'm going to kill them. The old Puritan preacher John Nettles would call this a case of sinners in the hands of an angry God. God, in his anthropomorphic quality, is mad, not benevolent, not merciful, not kind, not jealous, not loving, not gracious. God is mad! And God says, make your own homes. My anger, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I don't know what's, I don't even want to hear that about your God. It's right there in verse 20. God said, now therefore, even God can get sick of us. God said, now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax high against them. And God said, I'm going to kill them. God says, I'm going to consume them. Wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what God said in verse 14. But what God made family was verse number 14. Verse 14 says, And the Lord repented. He kind of woke up for a moment. Verse 10, God says, I'm going to consume them. Verse 14, God says, I'm going to continue them. Verse 10, God says, I'm mad at them. Verse 14, God says, I'm going to have mercy on them. Verse 10, God says, I'm going to kill them. Verse 14, God says, I'm going to be kind to them. Verse 10, God says, I'm going to slay them. Verse 14, God says, I'm going to spare them. So I got to raise a question on the text. What happened in between verse 10 and verse 14? What made God go from being mad in verse 10 to being merciful in verse 14? Can I tell you what happened? Moses didn't say, it is what it is. Moses didn't say what's going to be. Going to be. In between verse 10 and 14, Moses had a talk with God. And when Moses got finished talking with God, the heavens shifted on his behalf. And I wish I had somebody around this house tonight who needs some stuff to shift in your life. Not next week, not next month, but you need some stuff to shift right now. Want to look at it and say, he don't respect our perfect. If he did it before, he'll do it right now. We serve a God who can shoot right now. So here's my transitional question. What in the world did Moses say to get the God of God to shoot? And make God repent. Three things I'm out The first thing Moses did, get this down. He recognized God's people. Somebody said he recognized God's people. Now this, this text really made me laugh. It really did because God is so mad. God can have an attitude. It's an anthropomorphic quality God. God in verse 7. Don't miss verse 7. God on the mountain with Moses. God said to Moses, Moses, take God out. Go! Get thee down. For thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, they have corrupted themselves. 
y'all give God my day to go. This is the Bible conference, right? Look at God. God says, Moses, go. Get thee now. For thy people, which thou brought out of the land of Egypt, they have corrupted themselves. God says, Moses, go. Get thee now to thy people, which thou brought out of the land of Egypt. That's what Moses is told by God in verse 7. But I like Moses' response in verse 11. Moses in verse 11 looks at God and says, God, why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou brought out of the land of Egypt? I got the grace on it now. Let me rewind. Verse 7. God said, Moses, go, get thee now to thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt. That's what God said to Moses. Verse 11. Moses looked back at God. God, why does your wrath? Well, it's not against your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt. Moses said, God, don't you trust? Uh -uh. These ain't my fault. These are your fault. Look at them. I'm on the backside of the desert in million, mind my own business, taking to my father-in-law's fly. I saw a bush catch on fire. And then you told me, Moses, to take off your shoes for the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. You told me to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I didn't know ask her, who should I say sent me? You told me to tell them, I am sent me. That's what you just said 29 chapters ago. And now you want to put these folks on me? These ain't all no God. These are your folks. Come in tonight. Come in tonight. You and I will sleep better at night. When you stop taking all this little stuff, that ain't so. Yeah. God, these crazy folks on the job, they ain't my co-workers, they're your children. Yeah, I'm putting your children back in your hand. God, this husband, who won't do right, who's been disrespectful and disobedient and not handling you right as a wife, you all say, God, he was your son before he was my man. I'm putting him back in your hands. God, this woman who won't cook no more, come again every night and fry pajamas on with a bucket around her head. This is your woman cooking fry pajamas on her head. Boy, I put her back. I wish y'all preach to me tonight. This child that we acted by God, he's about to drown me first. Hands. 
piano in my hand, I can play in just three keys. But a piano in Picasso's hands, you get a great masterpiece. And you get a piano in Beethoven's hands, you get a symphony. It all depends. Y'all find out whose hands it's in. A tennis racket in my hand, I'll make you laugh. But a tennis racket in Serena Williams' hands can be heard the car argument that wins athlete who ever lived. It all depends. Oh, whose hands is it? Are y'all with me here? A golf club in my hands. I bust the windows out so far. But a golf club in Tiger Woods' hands can win 15 major championships. It all depends. Oh, whose hands is it? Nails in my hand, I can hang a picture. But nails in Jesus' hands can bring salvation to the One, two, three. One more time. 
You're going to get all three. One, two, three. See, the only coming out of all names is chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's unintelligible. It's inharmonious. But this time, all three cheese. One, two, three. Yeah. That's power. In that name. One, two, three. Yeah. There's the lyrics in that name. God helping me about your purpose and not our own preferences. What is the God of the thing like you? It's about you. Yeah. If you recognize God's people, you call God's purpose. One thing, I'm holding. I'm finished. The third thing, thank you, Holy Ghost. He reminded God of his promises. That's what this conference is about. Trusting in God's promises. Look what Moses said God to say, Moses said, God, look, they, they're your people. You made them. If you want to, you can kill them. They're yours. However, before you kill them, I want to share one thing with you. If you kill them, some things about your Bible. We're going, to, we're going to have to edit and take out. <laughs> but, but, but somewhere in there it says that you're not a man. That you should lie. God, if you kill them now, it's going to make you alive. I, I don't even want you to lie, but before you kill them, to remind you, some scriptures we got to take out. We got to get in the Bible. One thing says your word won't return. Oh, if you kill them, you got to take it out too. Because your word would have returned. Oh, if I, uh, there's another thing that it says uh, before that before your word shall fail, get out of the Pastor, we got to take that out. Because another verse said, all the promises of God are yea and amen. If you kill them, we got to take that out. So God, listen, remember Abraham, verse 13. Remember Isaac, remember Jacob, Israel, you swore to them by your own self. You said you multiplied the seed and the child of heaven. You told them you would give them the land to inherit forever. Now if you kill them, that means you would have divided and subtracted their seed. Multiply. If you kill them now, that means they will inherit the land now. That means you will be alive. If you kill them all now, the question is, where's Jesus going to come from? Because even Jesus got to come through the same lineage. So if you kill them now, what are they going to do with our fourth generation? You can't kill them. Because if you kill them, you're going to foment fallibility into your fatherhood. If you kill him, you're going to sanction your sovereignty. If you kill him, you're going to diminish your deity. You're going to limit your lordship. You're going to omit your own omnipotence. You're going to diminish your own deity. You can't kill him! Because your word is on the line. In other words, Moses said, Moses prayed, are you said prayer? You see. A lot of us don't know how to pray. Don't you know how to pray so? You see it, You see it. When I'm sick, you are wounded for my transgressions. Bruce my iniquity with your stripes out here. You see it. You see it. If God be for me, who can you do? You see it. not myself to call it even. That's what you said. Now, the problem of us tonight is we can't pray. You said pray. Because some of us have never read what he said. You're going to have to look up and say, you're going to get a word in your heart. And you're going to hang on to the word of God. Some of you don't need it because you had a word. Some of you kept your standing because you had a word. You don't give God praise tonight. Close to y'all died. 
Somebody who loved you, he was very close to you, he died. But he thought so much of you that before he died, he left a will. And because he knew you would love him, he left your room and some stuff to you. So I didn't come to preach that I came to be uh, God's political executive of the state. I came to simply read the wheel. And if I read the wheel and something in your name, something that's for you say, I'm in the wheel. Heal me. Thank <laughs> you. 
from school back. One hour after helping me play my mother's field, he had a heart attack. Three weeks after my mother died, my sister died. Imagine with me now.
Stand up and come down the aisle and give your money to Jesus. This is called the altar call. When you come to the altar, you leave your fear, your doubt, your darkness. You leave it all someplace else. You leave it in yourself. If you come down the aisle and you say yes, your Lord is in Jesus Christ. If you are here, now what happens to the party? Do not wait, do not hesitate. This is not that time.
Lord will comfort us. Even when we find ourselves in trouble, there's a peace that goes along with us. He left us his peace. He left us with joy in our hearts. He left us knowing that our souls will be taken care of.